When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Big Tilt DFS podcast on Roto Underworld Player Profiler. Folks, we are here week one of the NFL season to get you into the money, to get you into FanDuel, DraftKings, DFS lineups. I'm Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rand, and I am going to be joined every week by the genius himself, the mad scientist, the man Josh Larkey, who will give you all the insight into how you should strategize for your DFS lineups each and every week of the NFL season. Follow him on Twitter at tweets. Mr. Larkey, it's an honor. It's good to be here. Mike, thanks for that intro. I was like chuckling on the other end because I feel like there's like this mythical quality about my work. I think Matt tried to like sew that in last year with the DFS work where he said, I want everyone to think of you as this crazy wizard. So it's always funny when how that sort of caught on when ultimately I'm just a guy sitting at a computer who works in his own bedroom in his apartment coding away. So the the, the mad scientist is he's still in his bedroom, but we'll, we'll get to the lab. You eventually. are way too modest. You're smart. You build great arguments and you bring the Twitter vitriol, which is exactly what we have to do here on the Big Tilt DFS podcast. Folks, every week you're going to join us. We're going to take you through the talking points, the injuries, the questions, and then we're going to highlight games and players that we think you should be focusing on, who to target, who to fade when you make your lineups. Josh, you ready to get going here, man? Let's get into it. Yeah, let's let's talk about some some injuries before we dive into all the games. So... Some IR candidates. Curtis Samuel just got moved to IR. He had the groin injury. Traquan Smith. I actually don't even know why he was put on IR. I just, I got the notification. He's getting yanked from all projections. He's on IR. I think that those, it's pretty obvious that the Curtis Samuel one is going to benefit basically everybody that's in Washington that's a pass catcher. But it, from my take on it, especially Dammy Brown, is that kind of what you were thinking when you saw that injury come up? Listen, I have thought that Diame Brown could be the second receiving option in this passing game, along with tight end Logan Thomas and, of course, McLaurin all year long. I never bought into Curtis Samuel. I remember, and we've laughed about Twitter videos, how people get completely overwhelmed when they see something. He caught a bomb, Josh, a couple of years ago from Cam Newton, and people went crazy. He's a gadget guy. He's always been injured. I wasn't buying it. Deami Brown is impressed. Absolutely. I think he's a guy, Josh, that if you don't pick him up in seasonal now, you're not going to get him in a week or two. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think Curtis Samuel definitely hurt me. I was very intrigued because he had the air yards. He has the elite speed. And I thought that he'd be, at least for this season, I really liked the Fitz pairing where Fitz just, he does what he wants to do. And if Curtis Samuel is going to be running those deep routes, and going to be ready for all different types of gadget plays. I thought he'd be more involved than most thought. Apparently now I'm just the donkey because Curtis Samuel has tweaked his groin, I think, four different times this offseason. Traquan Smith, yeah. A lot of groin work with <laughs> Curtis Samuel, but not the right kind, certainly. <laughs> yeah. And tra- you're going to talk about Traquan Smith. Josh, we have been Traquan Smith truthers here at the Underworld. It may be time for us to move on, no? Yeah, I think that this him going to IR is officially the last straw. Marquez Callaway does look like he will be the wide receiver one in this offense until if when Michael Thomas comes back. The the one cautionary tale though is which we'll get to is Marquez Callaway did not have he has anything but a cakewalk matchup this week. So we have to be temper temper expectations there. And then also Jameson Crowder out due to COVID boosts uh probably Elijah Moore the most. As I believe Elijah Moore was sort of the direct backup 
before COVID happened to Jameson Crowder. So it looks like he'll get his full slot snap share. Now for the healthy guys, it looks like OBJ should be suiting up. Swift is healthy. He's practicing fully. Austin Eckler is practicing again today. So it looks like the hamstring was a scare or some type of maintenance, but that he's okay. Ayuk, he's practicing. All the San Francisco guys are good. Devontae Parker's practicing. And then my personal favorite, uh, we checked the depth chart about five minutes before recording. <laughs> Chase Edmonds is, in fact, <laughs> listed as the starter in Arizona. That's exciting. It's amazing because I think the casual fan, Josh, is going to say, I want the goal line touches, which, by the way, Chase Edmonds may get. Who knows? They could be in a, in a wide set and he could be you could get handles off the middle or, or possible dump offs. But I'll, I want to ask you, you mentioned OBJ. You mentioned DeAndre Swift. You mentioned Austin Eckler. How much do you take into account the injury reports? Because, for example, some people may have stayed away from Chris Godwin the other night because he was injured in practice. That certainly would have been a mistake. I think OBJ can smash in that Kansas City-Cleveland game with the highest over-under, but do you think these injuries are going to keep people away, and are they going to miss out on a big game from a Swift or an Eckler or possibly OBJ if they stay away? Yeah, I think so. The way that I generally play it is that unless there is – a clear some type of snap count where it's said multiple times kind of the one guy that immediately came to mind was Alan Lazard last year he had his core muscle surgery and then everyone was like oh is he the number two there and over and over again it was told it was spoon fed to us he is on a snap count we expect him to play 15 to 20 snaps tonight and then he would if a player is just on the injury report unless the coach is saying this guy will be on a 20 or 30 snap count sort of like what they do in the preseason when the coach will say I want Trey Lance to have two drives or once he hits 20 snaps we're taking him out unless there is that specific talk I don't buy into the injury talk because we had it with Swift where his ADP plummets when Dan Campbell says you know I'm not sure if he'll be ready for week one and then you watch the rest of the interview and it's basically him just trying to motivate DeAndre Swift to keep up with his conditioning and that at no point does he think he won't be the, the full entrenched starter week one. So I'd say that in general, unless there's that specific, here are his snap counts, I just disregard it. And that if he's active on game day, he's in my lineups. And the reason you listen to the big tilt, folks, is because you're hearing that Chase Edmonds should be the starting running back in a game with, a, I think it's 50 points, Josh, over under Arizona, Tennessee. He is with Kyler Murray. He's 4,600 on DraftKings. 5,900 on FanDuel. You're looking at a player Josh could have a big, big game on Sunday. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about Chase Edmonds. Why don't we just dive into that game first, actually, while we're talking about Edmonds. Let's take a look at it. Tennessee and Arizona. Tennessee here is a slight favorite over Arizona. The game total, 50 points, 1 o'clock CBS. Folks, Kyler Murray, James Conner, Chase Edmonds, DeAndre Hopkins, Rondale Moore, of course, for Arizona players you're interested in on the Titans, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. Interesting, Josh. Julio Jones' receiving prop started the week at like 53. It's now climbed to 65, 66 in some books. So he's getting a lot of play. And Ferk Daddy, I can't get rid of Anthony Ferkser in my life. What are you looking at here in Arizona, Tennessee? So I think that this is just an incredible game to target in general, where it's still a little up in the air exactly what this Arizona defense is going to look like. They had some offseason acquisitions like J.J. Watt. But at least on the Tennessee side, we know for a fact this was a feckless pass defense who didn't really do anything in the offseason. And that if if I had to say better or worse, I would say they're probably worse this year than they were last year. So if you have a potent offense in Tennessee with a horrible defense, we have this offense that we do believe is on the rise in Arizona, the game total reflects this, then, I mean, what what's going on here? This is most likely going to be a shootout type game situation. So that's why I feel like you can really get creative. You could have double stacks. You could have double stacks with a double run back even. I think this is one of those games where if you really want to just go with an onslaught, that it's viable here. And it's because of some of the guys you mentioned. Rondale Moore, 3,000 on DK. You're getting a min price guy who has four three wheels, was the second round pick. And I don't know if you know, I don't know who the wide receiver two in Arizona is. And I feel like that type of ambiguity, especially week one, when we do the research year round and that we, we understand how good these rookies are. We understand Rondale Moore, the prospect. It was validated when he went round two in the NFL, despite being five, seven. 
This is the type of player who has that explosive upside and that if you can sneak him in where you go Murray, Edmonds, Moore, Murray, Hopkins, Moore, if you can just sneak that guy in at 3K, you can really complete one of these lineups and be able to have other good players outside of that game stack. And I think that's kind of rare for a high game total game stack to be able to do that. Yep. And um, and player profiler, folks, 437 speed, 96 percentile for Rondale Moore. And we talk about this, Josh. Teams will show you what they want to do and what their attentions are by their actions. If you watch the preseason, you saw that Rondale Moore is going to be involved. He's going against a Tennessee Titan defense. Fifth most fantasy points last year to opposing wide receivers. Fourth most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, including 36 passing touchdowns. So sure, we understand DeAndre Hopkins, absolutely. But if you're looking for that double stack, and you know if you've listened to Mr. Larkey, you know how important it is to stack. Rondell Moore could absolutely be a great play at his value. And I think, Josh, they we got to tell the people they want the plays, the cheap plays, but you want those players that are low value to have massive upside. Don't pay down for James Conner. Don't pay down for Frank Gore when he's playing at 45 years old. You want a guy who can have those explosive plays like Rondale Moore. Yeah, I think you put that really well is that, yes, you can look at some of these salary savers and go, oh, look at this guy. And I don't remember who made the post on Twitter, but someone had a really good post up that was basically saying that, yes, you want to have you want to like 3x or 4x or 5x your salary. So if you pay for a 4K guy, you want 12 fantasy points or you want 16 fantasy points, 3x, 4x. But also it's important just to have raw fantasy points. And that if you're paying for James Conner at 4,500 going, oh, like I, he could get 14 fantasy points and that's 3x and now we're cooking with this lineup. What you fail to realize is that ultimately you still have 14 points taking up one of your nine precious lineup slots. And with Rondale Moore, if he breaks a long one and gets that 100-yard bonus... Next, you know, he's at 20, 25 fantasy points. And that's not really the type of output that you can expect from every $3,000 receiver. And I think that's really the the difference there is that it's not just, oh, we're searching for value, but we want the guy that's going to be able to score like he's double his salary. And that's what Rondell Moore can get you. Because like you said in the preseason, he was being used everywhere. It, I think he was getting a touch every five or six snaps in the preseason. That's exactly what you want. I remember Antonio Brown every year in Pittsburgh. The reason I loved Antonio Brown so much, besides the obvious, is that it seemed like Todd Haley was playing fantasy football and had Antonio Brown. If he didn't have a target for a couple minutes, bang, he gets hit behind the line. Quick slant to him. Rondell Moore can be a mini Antonio Brown the way Brown was used in Tampa Bay last night. He can go deep. He can hit a slant. He can get a reverse. He can get the ball behind the line of scrimmage. That's what I want from these cheap value plays. And Tennessee, we talked about. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, preference there between those two? I have a slight preference just because their salaries are similar. A.J. Brown's 300 more on DK, set uh, 800 more on FanDuel. Slight preference towards A.J. Brown. He's younger. He's more explosive. He has the built-in rapport with Tannehill. Because don't forget, Julio Jones didn't practice for about six weeks. So he, even though, so not only was he an offseason acquisition, we understand that when a, a wide receiver changes teams, more often than not, they're going to be hurt in some form with their output. I understand Julio is not the typical wide receiver changing teams. He's still, at least last year, his efficiency metrics were incredible. But still, A.J. Brown has been probably the most efficient wide receiver in the NFL the past two years when it comes to scoring fantasy points. There is just nobody like him with the yards per target, the touchdown rate. He is a unicorn. He's basically this generation's Terrell Owens. And because of all that, I I mean, I'm still playing some Julio Jones. Don't get me wrong. But if I had to choose straight up, I do prefer A.J. Brown for those reasons. Let's head out to Indy. Seattle at Indy indoors. Fourth highest total on the slate, 49 and a half points. The the side here is all over the place. Seattle was getting three points for most of the week. Now is favored by three. Real interesting matchup here at one o'clock. Carson Wentz is going to start. Jonathan Taylor, of course, although interesting, Josh, he's 8,000 on DK and 7,900 on FanDuel. So 7.9 cheaper on FanDuel. Naeem Hines, as we recorded this, just got a huge extension. Pittman, Paris Campbell, 
And of course, for the Seahawks, Carson Metcalf, Lockett, Gerald Everett, my love. Where are you going here with Seattle Indy? So actually, I I totally forgot to put this one. There is one more injury to monitor, which is very interesting, and that is star cornerback on the Colts. Xavier Rhodes is out for this game. So I already was very intrigued by Russ Metcalf, Russ Lockett. I think this is just one of those incredible teams that you can skinny stack where we saw last year that if Russ realizes that one guy is winning his routes more consistently, he will just completely hone in on. And I think it just makes both of them more viable when the the overall Colts defense takes a hit like that. So I'm not necessarily looking at going like Russ Metcalf Lockett. That is quite a bit of capital tied up into one team's receiving core when we know that this isn't necessarily the most high volume pass attack. But I do love the skin. You can do skinny stacks, Russ Metcalf, Russ Lockett. You can go Russ Metcalf Everett, Russ Lockett Everett, get your guy Gerald in there. And I think it's really interesting because Gerald Everett is so inexpensive. 3,400 DK, 4,800 FanDuel. We don't know what his role is, but he does look like the number three option in the passing game. And with Russell Wilson, that's very intriguing to me. And Shane Waldron now, the offensive coordinator, is familiar with Everett with the Rams. I could see Everett, if you put him in, he could have a Gronkowski-like night from last night. A lot of passing options. Everett's open. Get you that value for a cheap play. You have to have, when I make my lineups, I'm going to have to have a part of Seattle in this, no doubt about it, because I think this could get sneaky here. What about with the Colts? No T.Y. Hilton, people like Michael Pittman. We're not taking Jack Doyle. (laughs) What are your thoughts here with the Colts? So I actually really like the Colts side of this as well. Okay. I think there's some type of lag going on where for some reason people still seem to think that Carson Wentz is injured, even though he's practiced fully now for, I believe, two straight weeks. It doesn't look like he's going to be carrying a whole lot of ownership. It seems like for some reason this is a high total game and everyone has just kind of decided if we play it, we have to play the Seattle side. Mm. And you don't have to. You can play Carson Wentz with, if we're looking at DK, 4,100 for Pittman. 3700 for Paris Campbell, 3700 for Pascal. If for some reason you want the more boring option, who will be getting the snaps, you've got Pascal. You can basically choose any studs that you like. You could grab uh, you could grab Tyreek Hill, Nick Chubb if you wanted, and get a little piece of that Cleveland uh, Kansas City game. You can you can put Chubb Hill, Chubb Kelsey in a lineup that's primarily Wentz, Pittman, Campbell, running it back with Lockett or Metcalf or Chris Carson, and that it gives you this incredible flexibility where Carson Wentz is only 5,600 on DK and 6,500 on FanDuel, yet we know he's a fairly mobile quarterback practicing in full, and without T.Y. Hilton, where are these passes going to go? Naheem Hines got extended, but he's very expensive, and I he's not going to get all the targets. Jonathan Taylor is going to be out there. Much better play on FanDuel. I still like him in tournaments on DK just because he runs a sub 4-4 at 230, and they have that elite offensive line. But I think the the real play here is either you go Russ Metcalf or Russ Lockett. You could toss an Everett if you want. Or on the other side, you can just load up with Wentz, Pittman, Campbell, Wentz, Campbell, Moali Cox, if that's what you're interested in. You're chasing the touchdown there. You could even go Wentz, Hines, Campbell, or Wentz, Hines, Pittman. I think that's viable too. Hines is a little expensive, but if we do think that the line has moved correctly and Seattle's favored, that makes it more interesting to really target the the Colts in, in comeback mode. And Seattle's defense always gets better as the year goes on, but their talent has never been lower And both offensive lines here are better than people think. We know the Colts' offensive line is good. Quentin Nelson should be back. Second-best offensive line per PFF. But the Seahawks' offensive line, while only ranked by most outlets 18th, 19th, that may be, Josh, the best Russell Wilson's ever had. So if he gets any sort of protection and the Colts get protection, this could be a game similar to last night. You saw the Cowboys' offensive line played well. Tampa Bay had a great defense. They still put points up. So this kind of, I think, yes, this is sort of an under-the-radar, even though it's the fourth-highest total on the Sunday slate. People are going to shy away from the Colts side. They're just going to go to Seattle. It's a nice contrarian play. Yeah, it really is. So if I'm looking at the ownership projections that I have up, Russ 
outside the top 10. Wentz outside the top 20. Wow. It's pretty incredible what you can get in this game where for some reason everyone has just decided that we are ignoring the game total. I I don't know if people just assume that Jonathan Taylor and Chris Carson are going to trade off handoffs the entire game with nothing else happening, but uh, Vegas is generally pretty sharp with this and they've had millions of dollars of research poured into these lines. They've analyzed them and they, they determined this is one of the highest total games and I'm going to believe it. I'm going to be game stacking this one for sure. Definitely going to be two of the, the quarterbacks I prioritize the most will be Russ and Wentz. Moving on, Jets at Carolina. Carolina favored by five and a half. And I will tell you with betting research, Josh, that five number, five and a half, just tends to be a very tricky one. It's almost a, a, a line that Vegas says, you know, we're a little unsure when you get in that area. If they're, they're away from the seven, they're away from the three. This one is a total of 44 and a half, one o'clock CBS, Jets, Carolina. Let's talk about Sam Darnold to start. Now, listen, you don't like Sam Darnold. I liked him a little more than you, but I will tell you, I don't like chalk Sam Darnold. I don't want Sam Darnold to be the chalk play. I kind of like it when it's a contrarian play. He has some great weapons here, but you don't like him as much. Tell us why. So I have a few issues with Sam Darnold. So one of them is the pace of play. I don't expect it to be very up-tempo. Sam Darnold has never played up-tempo in any season in New York. Joe Brady has a one-season sample size with Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater, I know, is a slow-paced quarterback, but last year, very slow-paced Panthers offense. So if we take Joe Brady with a sample size of one season being slow, Darnold with a sample size of three being slow, I am inclined to think that if I had to choose fast or slow, this will be a slower-paced team. Also, they're favored by almost a touchdown, so we have to think that this is not going to be Rapid comeback mode, Sam Darnold. That's probably not going to happen. I also just don't think he's very good at football. He hasn't been good at football all these years. He's never really supported any fantasy-relevant options outside of the occasional healthy Jameson Crowder getting force-fed 10 targets. So because of that, it's there's a lot of moving pieces here where I understand it's the best weapons of his career, probably the best play caller of his career. The Jets' secondary is not great, but also the offensive line on Carolina is terrible. This might be the worst offensive line in the sport with Sam Darnold. That is what really scares me is that I I just have a hard time playing a quarterback that I've never seen be good before, especially when he's getting chalky and when it looks like he's going to be one of the five, six, seventh most popular quarterback on the slate. So I understand he's got these incredible weapons, but it's really hard, especially with his track record. If they're at the goal line, how do they not just hand it off to Christian McCaffrey? They're not trying to get Sam Darnold his fantasy points. They don't want him throwing an interception or fumbling. They're just going to hand it to one of the five or six best running backs in the sport. So for all those reasons, I just have a really difficult time myself playing Sam Darnold. I will not be playing Sam Darnold this week. Josh, how does that translate to Christian McCaffrey? Because he's at 9,500 on DK. He may not be sub 10 for the rest of the entire year. Going to catch a lot of passes, I would think, especially if if Brady wants to keep Sam Darnold without taking a lot of chances. Are you jamming in CMC in some way? And if so, how do you think about some savings with like a Terrace Marshall or somebody like that? So I think that the the interesting plays here are CMC kind of either on an island where you just throw him in your lineup because you saved salary elsewhere and that you're just, you're not going to sweat it. You're getting your 30 fantasy points. Um, the the other way I think you can do this is you could go CMC with Ty Johnson. I think that's kind of an interesting one. Generally, people say no-no on the double running back, but that's kind of been debunked and that it's really, you just don't want two plotting running backs. And that if there's running backs with pass catching upside, you can, in fact, play both of them. I think CMC with Corey Davis, CMC with Elijah Moore, those are some interesting ways to kind of sneak in a little bit of correlation without having to touch too much of the the Sam Darnold moving parts there. And I think the other Carolina guy I'm interested in, similar to Rondale Moore's Terrace Marshall, mm-hmm. this is a very explosive athlete, incredible prospect profile, priced at 3 k I will be shocked if he's 3K next week or the week after that. So I think that this is kind of week one's always kind of the week to play the rookies because 
DraftKings, FanDuel. They don't really know how to price them. He's 4,900 on FanDuel, so a little more pricey there, but still, that's very affordable. So I think that Marshall's kind of interesting. And then Elijah Moore is nearly min price on FanDuel. And then actually the Stone Min 3K as well on DraftKings. No Jamison Crowder. So I think that those are kind of the interesting like individual plays where you can you can have a little bit of skinny correlation there. If I'm game stacking this though, I'm doing it on the Jets side because they're the dogs. I, w- I kind of like inexpensive Zach Wilson when he's when he may have the Konami code. We're not quite sure. He had a lot of rushing touchdowns last year in college, not a lot of rushing yards, but he could end up being sort of the Dak Prescott where he has a lot of the rushing touchdowns at the goal line and that he's very sneaky efficient with his decisions there, which always is great when you're trying to to hit big. And next thing you know, Zach Wilson has the the six-point rushing touchdown. So I think if you're going to game stack this, I prefer something like a like Zach Wilson, Corey Davis, uh, Elijah Moore, where next thing you know, you've only spent like twelve, thirteen thousand dollars, and you're getting access to a game where they're the a decently heavy dog with a top uh, a top prospect at quarterback, where we just don't even know what to expect. You look good in the preseason, so yeah, I'm I'm generally staying away from this, but I will definitely be dabbling with with the Zach Wilson, just because I'm interested. It's very inexpensive, all of his weapons. And yeah, I, ju- I just I just can't get myself to play Sam Darnold this week. Yeah, and if you're going to go Zach Wilson, you have to go Corey Davis. That, that connection between Wilson and Davis reminded me of Fitzpatrick with his top wide receiver in the preseason. He locked into him, target after target. Davis could explode. He is a great value. I'm with you. Ty Johnson is the choice. I don't know why someone would pay almost... 5K on DK and then 5.4 on FanDuel, Josh, to go with Tevin Coleman. And Michael Carter, this is a three-headed backfield, not a two. I think that's also too high. 4,700 for Ty Johnson on FanDuel. If you're going to pick one, that's where I would go as well. Next game up, Eagles-Atlanta. A lot of attention here because I think the points are going to come. Atlanta's favored by three. Totals a solid 48, one o'clock on Fox. But I think that the People who can produce the fantasy points in this game, Josh, are consolidated. That's why I like it a lot. And I know we'll start at the top with Philly. You're going to like Jalen Hurts. Oh, yeah. We we like Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts is kind of the that intermediately priced quarterback with QB1 overall upside. Or to put it another way, slate breaking upside where he can get you 35 fantasy points. We saw it last year where he can have 250 to 300 passing yards and 50, 60 yards on the ground with a rushing touchdown. Jalen Hurts just has to be in your lineups. I think he's cash viable because of how bad this Falcons defense is, yet how bad the Eagles defense also is, coupled with the Falcons being a decent offense. It all really makes for a nice shootout potential. I would definitely hammer the over on this game total. I believe it's at 48. Mm -hmm. That's... I really think that there's going to be 60 to 70 points scored in this one. It's two teams that can't stop each other. And I really like Jalen Hurts with Devonta Smith. We talked a few times. I'm going to keep going back to the well. These rookies are not priced properly. Devonta Smith is 4,500 on DK, 5,300 on FanDuel. He's priced like a second, third option in an offense when I believe he is the primary option. We saw it in the preseason that one game, right when he enters the game, peppered with targets, short, long, all over the place, running out routes. Everything that Devonta Smith was doing was, he was constantly, it was constantly going to him. uh, I think it was Flacco constantly looking his way. I'm very excited about Devonta Smith at 4,500. I I think Goddard, 4,800 DK, 5,900 FanDuel. He's kind of interesting because we don't really know if this changing of the guard is happening or it's not happening, but still a little bit expensive when TJ Hawkinson is the same price on DK and cheaper on FanDuel. And we know that that's the number one option there. Josh, I can't justify, and I love Goddard. I loved him in best ball early in the summer. I can't justify Goddard when what I saw with Zach Ertz seems like he's going to be more involved. Do you have a problem with Zach Ertz at 3.8 on DK as opposed to Goddard at 4.8? I think Ertz is a better play if you're going to pick one. Yeah, I think you can play Ertz. I'm a little bit worried about 
just with Ertz and his speed, I don't think the ceiling is quite there. So that's my concern is that I do think Ertz is a good value play, but it goes back to at the same time, you also want just raw fantasy points in your lineup. I still think Goddard has that 20 point upside, whereas Ertz doesn't. But I understand going Ertz over Goddard. I'm just not particularly thrilled with either. I'd rather target Devonta Smith. And then I think the other sneaky one is Miles Sanders, 6,500 DK, 6,600 FanDuel. He's affordable in both. He's going up against a dreadful defensive line in, in the Falcons. It might be the worst defensive line in the sport. Definitely bottom five. So I'm very excited about Miles Sanders. He's an explosive athlete. He had way more fantasy points when he was playing with Hurts than with Wentz last year. And I do think that trend's going to continue. I think he's going to be used out of the backfield as a receiver more than people think. He's 100% going to be used at the goal line when he has 20 pounds over every other option in that backfield. So I think he's a really good play there. Is there anybody else that you're interested in? With the Eagles. I echo you with Miles Sanders. When we talked on the road of his pod earlier this summer, we said he could be the dead zone undertaker because people are just assuming that this is a timeshare with Boston Scott and he's not going to get the work. Suppose he does get the work. Suppose he does get the receptions. I'm curious with the Falcons, obviously Calvin Ridley's season. We know that. We've talked about his stats with and without Julio Jones. Where are you on Kyle Pitts with the Falcons this week? So, yeah, we don't need to talk much about Ridley. He's just a smash. There's no Julio, hyper-consolidated targets. Pitts is very interesting because he is 6000 on FanDuel. He's priced kind of like an elite tight end yep. there. And I don't think it's bad. You can you can go to him on FanDuel. He's a rookie. We just don't know what his role is going to be. But where I think he is just so ridiculously appealing is on DraftKings. He's priced at 4400 And that just doesn't capture anything with his explosiveness how he looks like the clear second best passing option in that Atlanta Falcons passing game. So I think that he's especially appealing on FanDuel where, or especially appealing on DraftKings where we think it's going to be Ridley. Gage will get his targets, but he's probably not going to do that much with him. He's just not quite the athlete that you need at the wide receiver two position. Enter Kyle Pitts. We could very easily have Ridley and Pitts with a hundred yards at the end of this game. We saw TJ Hawkinson put up over 100 yards his first game ever as a rookie tight end. It would not shock me if Pitts does the same. Here's my favorite price discrepancy this week, Josh. You have Kyle Pitts, 4400 on DraftKings. That's $100 less than Mike Gusecki. And that's $300 less than Hunter Henry, who's going to contend with Jono Smith. So if you're looking for upside, I don't know what planet you would take a Hunter Henry and a Gusecki over Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts in this offense with a first-round draft capital early in this game against the Eagles, I think it's a blow-up spot. Absolutely can consider him. Now, the biggest, the highest total game on the week, Browns at Chiefs. Kansas City favored by six, now six and a half. Game total, 54 and a half points. It is hard to see how someone would win the Millie Maker without having representation in this game. But where are we going for that representation? Let's start with the Chiefs, Josh. Who do you like there? So with the Chiefs, I think Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are the plays. We just have so many unproven assets with Hardman, Robinson, Pringle, where we just haven't really seen the upside. I still don't get why so many people like Meikle Hardman. He gets you, like what, 15 fantasy points two to three times a year. He has an incredibly low target share. Demarcus Robinson, very situational, doesn't have the 20-point upside. Pringle doesn't have that. We really want the guys that can get you 18, 20, 25 fantasy points. And the only guys that I really see having that here are Kelsey and Hill. It's super consolidated. There's no more Sammy Watkins. So I really think that those are the two plays. I'm still hesitant with CEH. He had the ankle injury. I'm just not quite sure exactly how much receiving work he's going to get throughout the game since they have McKinnon now. So those those are kind of the two that I think you should be playing on the Chiefs end. And then I'm actually not I'm not playing much Mahomes. Are you interested in the Chiefs side of this? Because we'll get to it in a second. I'm more interested in the Brown side, actually. I agree. I've started my builds with Travis Kelsey, yes, no. That's how I started. Because do I want the safety? Do I want to say to myself, Travis Kelsey, I think he was top overall wide receiver five times last year and something like top four wide receiver 11 times 
on a week, if you look at all the weeks last year. So I'm starting with whether I want Travis Kelsey or not and then making the decision there. I don't have a lot of Mahomes because it's expensive. If you're going to stack Mahomes with Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey, you're spending uh, 16, 17K. I'm just not there. I think there's a lot of quarterback options. You mentioned Jalen Hurts. I think there's other quarterback options I like, but I have to have a piece of that. And I am more interested in the Browns because they're going to have to keep up here. And the Chiefs were stubborn on goal line rushes. They didn't allow a lot of rushing touchdowns last year. I think they were tied for the fewest in the league with the Ravens. So if the Browns are going to score, this could be a sneaky Baker game where he gets three or four touchdowns. But the key is whether you trust Odell Beckham. Yeah, I'm I'm putting my trust in Odell. We'll see how that does. But the reason, just to begin with, that I was very intrigued by the Brown side is thanks to some really good research by one of our summer analytics interns this year, Neil Gupta, he and I worked together and discovered that in games where the opposing quarterback has a high fantasy points projection, that quarterback's going to almost always outscore whatever their projection is. And that their ability to hit kind of the elite 22, 25, 30-point upside at the QB position also goes up. So Baker Mayfield playing Mahomes, who's projected for a lot of fantasy points, that means that whatever projection you have for Baker Mayfield is probably too low. And that year after year, people just don't seem to project properly when looking at these game environments. Baker Mayfield is so much less expensive. $1,700 cheaper on FanDuel. $2,200 cheaper on DraftKings than Mahomes. What you can do is you can go Baker, Odell, Austin Hooper, and then grab Tyreek Hill. Or you can go Baker, Odell, Travis Kelsey. And right there, you've saved a lot of money that you can use other places while still getting good access to this game. Because think about it like this. Mahomes has an incredible game. He's probably not doing that if the Browns score 14 points. It's hard for me to see the Chiefs winning 40-14, to 14, Mahomes playing the whole game, and Baker has, I don't know, 200 passing yards. It, what's much more likely is if Mahomes has the good game, so does Baker. So you might as well just play the guy who's so significantly less expensive, who's also apparently just very contrarian. Every, every model I've seen... Mahomes is the most popular quarterback of the week. It's because he's on this extremely high game total. And I think you just take that and you say, all right, that's great. I'm riding Baker. I'm riding the quarterback who is talented, who does have great weapons with the best offensive line in the sport, who's going to need to keep up this entire game. And Baker has flammability. Last year against Cincinnati, five passing touchdowns was the overall QB six. And then late in the year during playoff season for fantasy, Week 14, week 15, overall QB2, I'm sorry, week 13, week 14, overall QB3, and overall QB2, six passing touchdowns combined. He ran one in as well. So he is the other quarterback in the explosive game, folks. Do not forget about Baker Mayfield. Green Bay at New Orleans, Josh. This is now in Jacksonville, of course, because of Ida. Green Bay is now favored by four. Nice point total, 50. We're in a neutral site here. We have Aaron Rodgers back. The question is Jones versus Dylan, death taxes and Devontae Adams. And I will start by saying something about Robert Tunyon. I understand that we're going to fade his efficiency from last year. I saw that Ian Harditz put out he had more touchdowns than incomplete targets. First player to do that since it was tracked since 1992. But just because he was so efficient doesn't mean at 4.2 on DK, 5.4 at FanDuel, he can't produce in a matchup like this. Let's start with the Packers here going against New Orleans in Jacksonville. So I think that the the best play on the Packers has to be Aaron Jones, who's just grossly mispriced. He's coming in at 6,800 on DK. And you might want a little more context and you're like, well, who's around him? DeAndre Swift, where the Lions are projected to score under 20 points. They are, I think they're the lowest team total on the slate is the Lions. DeAndre Swift is 6,900 which is kind of nice, but not nice for playing him. Mm-hmm. Aaron Jones, 6,800. A running back who is now just in sole possession of the targets in the running back room when Jamal Williams left. I don't quite understand why Aaron Jones's price has dropped. He's fully healthy. They still don't have a number two wide receiver of consequence that I'm aware of. I really think Aaron Jones is just such a smash here. 
and that whether or not you're game stacking this or any stacks, you can have naked Aaron Jones, just like you can always have naked McCaffrey. Aaron Jones, you can just play him if you have the salary for him. So I think that he's definitely the best play here. I'm not that interested in A.J. Dillon. I think we need to see a little more first to know really what's going on and what this touch distribution is going to be like. But I do know that Aaron Jones is getting the targets, and it's still not even certain that Dillon's getting the goal line carries. He didn't look great during the preseason. And then, yeah, I think Adams, like you always have to consider him. I know he's in the 8,000s on both platforms, but nobody gets the target share that he does from a quarterback as good as Aaron Rodgers. I'm not super interested in any type of massive game stacks in this one because I'm still skeptical that the Saints can keep up when their skill position room has been decimated. But I think there's very nice individual plays in this one. We don't want to guess in our DFS lineups. People last night were considering Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette. Who's going to get the goal line touches? Well, what ended up happening, folks, is they alternated them, and then Giovanni Bernard got the passing work. We don't want to guess that A.J. Dillon's going to get the goal line touches because that could be an absolute bust. You know Aaron Jones is going to perform. You know he's going to be involved in the passing game. On the flip side here, Josh, with New Orleans, what are your thoughts with Jameis Winston? Because we also don't know if Taysom Hill's going to come in when they get inside the 20. So while Winston may look good at 5.2, are you concerned at all that Hill is still going to be part of that offense like he was when Drew Brees was there? Yeah, it's definitely a concern. If Taysom Hill can keep Drew Brees off the field at times, you can pretty much guarantee he's going to be able to keep Jameis Winston off the field at times. And also, we talked about it with Darnold, where the only reason we're talking about Darnold is because he has McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall, Joe Brady in his in his ear. Jameis Winston, when he was tearing it up in fantasy, had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. He doesn't have that anymore. Instead, I know he has Kamara, but after that, he has Marquez Calloway, Adam Troutman, is the, the 160-pound Deontay Harris going to get a full snapshot this game? To be determined. But it is it is not looking good. Lil Jordan Humphrey, I think he runs a 4.7 or a 4.8 yes. last time I checked. <laughs> the, this is not the type of explosive receiving core that Jameis Winston has had in the past. And for that reason, I'm just not that interested. I understand that he's affordable, but still, there's a difference between being affordable and actually being a good play. And I just don't see him as being a great play here. I really like Kamara on the Saints side. And then I think I think Callaway is interesting. My worry, which was I think has kind of been confirmed with the Traquan to IR, is that the best cornerback in the entire NFL, not even close, is Jair Alexander. Looks like he's going to be covering Callaway. I mean, we, our show sheet right now doesn't even have a second receiver on this team. I don't even think either of us know exactly who the, the second most used receiver is going to be on this team. Oh, well, you know who it's going to be. It's going to be tight end Jawan Johnson, who's listed at wide receiver, 3,000 on DK, 4,500 on FanDuel. Your point about Alexander is great. He did not shadow last year after about midway through the year, but in this game against this receiving depth chart, which is incredibly shallow, maybe he's going to follow Callaway, and if he does, that could be a bust on Sunday. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of is that even if he's not shadowing him, that the defense can key in on him. He can get double teamed. I do think Adam Troutman is interesting. Uh, 2,900 on DK, 4,600 on FanDuel. I don't like him quite as much on FanDuel. I generally feel like on FanDuel, the some of these fringier tight ends, the way that their salary structure is and how the, the minimum price tight end is so much more expensive, I think it kind of benefits the min price tight end to play them on DK more. So I think Troutman's interesting on DraftKings specifically. And then Kamara is just a great play on both sides. I've seen the splits. He's getting like 30 something fantasy points a game whenever Michael Thomas isn't on the field. 8,600 on both platforms. Kamara is really the the running back that I think is, if there's a, I think, I think he is the most likely running back to break the slate and have three touchdowns and 10 catches. Excellent. Just with what what else is going on in that New Orleans offense of just guys, we I, I still just can't get over that. I don't know who the wide receiver two is 
in this offense. Yeah, it was amazing. We we're putting the show sheet together. We just left it blank because we're not sure. Last game, Pittsburgh, Buffalo. Similar question here with Buffalo. You know, we all talk about how we love the Bills and Josh Allen, the offense. But what most people will say is Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and then silence. No one says anything. Is it Cole Beasley? Is it Emmanuel Sanders? Gabriel Davis had a lot of buzz earlier in the summer. What do you do with the backfield? And in Pittsburgh, it's Najee Harris's show against a tough defense. So we were talking off air about what the projection is going to be. This game, Buffalo favored by six and a half, almost touchdown. Totals 48 and a half, creeping up, could get the 50 here. One o'clock CBS, sort of one of the big games on Sunday, week one. Buffalo, Pittsburgh, where are you at with this, this group of, of players? So I'm not super interested in any kind of massive game stacks. I understand that the Bills pass a lot, and that's very good. There should be a lot of fantasy points to go around. However, the Steelers' defense is incredible. And this has the makings of one of those games that I think is going to be slower than people want it to be. So I'm not super interested in like these massive game stacks, at least on DraftKings, because DraftKings you really want just as many pass attempts as humanly possible because it's full PPR, there's yardage bonuses. I think that if you're going to game stack this, I think FanDuel is actually the better place to do it because I don't believe the volume is necessarily going to quite be there. But the way that I talked about this a little bit on First Mover, the the podcast that I do earlier in the week on Roto Underworld's radio network, and you're more incentivized to play these mobile quarterbacks on FanDuel than on DraftKings. And that if we think that this might be not quite as high scoring, not quite as high of a game, that maybe it hits the under on 48.5, Josh Allen's a better play on FanDuel where you don't have to worry about the yardage bonuses and it's half PPR, so non-quarterbacks score fewer fantasy points. Also, the QB price scale is much more condensed on FanDuel. There's only about 3K difference between the most expensive and least expensive QB on FanDuel. But there's about 4,000 difference on DraftKings. So because of that, I think these mobile quarterbacks that can get those rushing touchdowns like Allen become more attractive on FanDuel. And that you can do a Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, or an Allen Beasley or an Allen Sanders running it back with any of Deontay or Claypool or Najee Harris. And I think that's kind of the angle that I would take if you want to game stack this. DraftKings, I'm not quite as interested, but I do like some of these pieces. I think Beasley and Sanders are both in play because we're not quite sure who the number two is there. But all we know is that whoever the number two target is in these Josh Allen games usually has quite a productive fantasy day. Also on the Pittsburgh side, my favorite is, especially on DK, I really like Claypool. For some reason, he's about a 1000 cheaper than both Deontay and Juju. Juju is just grossly mispriced, in my opinion. And if you look at ownership projections, I, I don't see Claypool anywhere. He is so far down the list. So people just aren't even interested in Claypool when he's so much less expensive. He has the explosive big play upside. I mean, Tredavious White is, I think he's 5'11", 6 foot, 195 pounds. You think that's the guy that's going to be able to shut down the guy built like a tight end who runs a 4-4? I don't really think so. So I'm kind of interested in Claypool for that explosive upside. And then once again, going back to the well on rookies, Najee Harris just mispriced 6,300 on DK, 6,500 on FanDuel. He looks like he's going to be an absolute workhorse. He had, I think, a 85-90% snap share, 90% touch share in the preseason when the starters were out there. This is just the ultimate bell cow. I kind of think of him like Joe Mixon, where you don't think the efficiency is going to be great, but at least this year, these look like the two kind of workhorse backs that are going to be getting all of the touches. And it's never going to be sexy, but at the end of the day, there's going to be fantasy points, especially anytime they have, anytime they fall into the end zone and get one or two touchdowns. So... I really like Najee Harris, where you can just kind of play him naked if you want and say this is, he maybe he should be 8,000 and that he might be in future weeks, but right now we're getting him in the low sixes. So if I were to attack this game, I really like the idea of going like a Beasley-Harris and having a little skinny correlation in there, or Sanders-Harris, or beasley claypool or Diggs claypool those are the kind of angles that i'm more interested in i'm not quite as interested in the full game stack for this one 
Don't forget, folks, Stefan Diggs last year against Pittsburgh, 10, 130, and 1. I think that Claypool's ownership is being suppressed because people think that he was sort of touchdown heavy last year, and maybe Najee Harris gets some of those goal line looks. But that puts his price, I mean, 600 less than Juju on DK and 400 less on FanDuel. I cannot envision a situation I would ever play Juju over Chase Claypool. And I like Claypool over Deontay in a lot of these situations because you mentioned about Tredavious White, who could be on Deontay most of the time. Those were the games, folks, here on the Big Tilt. Did I miss anything, Josh? Anything else you want to add here before we get out of here? We hit all these games really well. I think a couple other guys to mention. TJ Hawkinson is just a great play on either site. He's kind of being priced like he was last year when things have totally changed. There's no more Marvin Jones there. It's a different quarterback who we know doesn't have the arm strength Stafford does, and that's going to suit a tight end like Hawkinson who operates more shallow in the field really well with Jared Goff. So I think that that's just a great... If you if you don't want to take our suggestion to play a Kyle Pitts or a Gerald Everett, Hawkinson is another great play there. Ayuk is fully healthy, so I think he's interesting because he has that explosive upside. And that's what we want is we want these players that can just take over a game and that have the talent to do that. Because yes, you want to be careful. You don't want to play a player that's in 70% of everyone else's lineups. But at the same time, we do want to play good players. Good players are the ones who score fantasy points. And at the end of the day, we need fantasy points in our lineup. So I think Hawkinson's a a really interesting one that I know I'm going to have a good amount of exposure to. And then one more player is, I mean, I, I keep mentioning it on Twitter. It doesn't seem to get enough engagement. I think people just don't care that Jalen Waddle is 3,600 on DraftKings. There is no Will Fuller. He is suspended. Devontae Parker has been in and out of practice reports with his injuries. Jalen Waddle has the built-in chemistry with Tua from college. I am very excited about a top 10 pick in the NFL draft who has minimal target competition week one being under 4K on DraftKings, where you can get that 100-yard bonus and get three extra fantasy points. I think Jalen Waddle is going to shock a lot of people. He doesn't seem like he's going to carry too much ownership either, which is really nice. It looks like he's kind of on like the fringe top 20 from what I've seen. Love Jalen Waddle. Any any other individual plays that you like? I'm with you with San Francisco. There's been a lot of questions about who's healthy there with Ayuk. I think Raheem Mostert could break one of those big long runs to start the game. I'm not buying into Detroit. So I love them as well. Great call with Hawkinson with the volume, absolutely 100%. And Jalen Waddle, folks, against the Patriots, people are going to shy away from it. But the value and the rookies, which is what Josh has been saying the entire show, they're not priced right yet. I don't think you're going to see that number for Jalen Waddle again after this week. I agree. And then I know I know Matt gave us the go-ahead. I am allowed to share one of the lineups that is going to be on the lineup, Genius. So I'll give you guys a little taste of the type of lineups that we have concocted over here at Roto Underworld. So this is this is a lineup that's targeting that Tennessee-Arizona game. We have Ryan Tannehill with A.J. Brown. We know they're super correlated. Check out my stacking article on playerprofiler.com. Check out Michael and Neil, our summer analytics interns, article on stacking and redraft. They have some incredible graphics showing just how correlated Tannehill and A.J. Brown are and have been. Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Rondale Moore, Chase Edmonds. That's a nice little game stack right there. And we're, we still have money to burn. So we're also just going to cram in some skinny correlation in another game that we like, which is that Philly-Atlanta game. Miles Sanders and Calvin Ridley both fit in this lineup with salary. Hard to believe that you can stack Arizona-Tennessee and still have room for Miles Sanders and Calvin Ridley. We also have TJ Hawkinson at tight end. Just an incredible value. He's the kind of guy that's going to get you 20 fantasy points. And he's under 5,000. Aaron Jones at running back who's popping into the flex. He's got the later game so you can keep him in the flex in case something happens for that 4 p.m. game. Because remember, he's 6,800. And then you can finish it off with the Jags defense. They're only 2,700. And they're going against a Houston Texans team that is in full-on tank mode. They, they've apparently made every single player touchable in trade offers. They're not protecting anybody. They're deliberately not playing Deshaun Watson. They traded away cornerback Bradley Roby a couple days ago. Essentially, they are just selling the farm 
I don't see how this offense is going to put up that many fantasy points. And I think the Jags defense is kind of sneaky because we don't, we're not always the best at predicting defense. And if I had to choose, I'd say it is a defense on the rise. It's a very young unit, probably going to be a little better than last year. So that is one of our highest conviction lineups. I'll say it one more time. Tannehill, Miles Sanders, Chase Edmonds, A.J. Brown, Calvin Ridley, Rondale Moore, Hawkinson, Aaron Jones, and the Jags defense. That's a Millie-making winning lineup right there. And don't be afraid, folks, to fade the Texans. Bradley Roby now in New Orleans. They are in tank mode. That Jags defense could get a pick six or two. That's it for the Big Tilt Podcast. I'm Mike Randall. Follow me on Twitter at Randall Rand. And of course, the illustrious Josh Larkey at J Larkey tweets on Twitter. This was fun, my friend. Let's do it again every week this season. Yeah, I think we should see each other next week. Let's do this. Sounds good, man. And when you come to the Big Tail Podcast and Roto Underworld Player Profiler, we have everything you need for DFS, including our new fantastic DFS module. Josh, tell them about it. So as many of you know, we had the lineup genius last year, which did very well. We had a top 10 finish in the Millie Maker. We had two other top 100 finishes and other weeks in the Millie Maker. We're coming to take that thing down this year. The Lineup Genius has some brand new features. You can choose to lock and unlock players. If for some reason we have a player in our top 20 lineups and you go, wow, he wasn't in any other lineup. I really like this player. You can lock that player and get newly optimized lineups added to the Lineup Genius with that player in it. If you don't like a player, you can take them out to see lineups that don't have that guy in it. We have the brand new Cash Game Optimizer where you can optimize your cash game lineups, you can include and exclude players, you can favorite players, and of course, with both the Lineup Genius and the Cash Game Optimizer, you can just download an import file, and that CSV will be compatible with both DraftKings and FanDuel, so you can upload directly, no taking two hours on a Saturday night to manually update and enter all your favorite lineups. We have the importer. There's also the Upside Finder and the Value Finder. I've been hard at work creating upside projections. And I know that some other sites, you might see the upside projection and you go, oh, that, well, he's not going to hit that. And I agree. These upside projections are 85th percentile projections for players. Because do you really want to know the 95th percentile outcome for a player? If you are making a DFS lineup for a tournament, hoping for a 95th percentile outcome from every player, I'm sorry to say it's, it's never going to happen. I'm young enough to remember last year, second place in the Millie Maker, week one, took a zero at tight end. You don't have to be perfect. You need to be correlated and you need to have a smart lineup. And that's why our upside finder is looking at that 85th percentile projection because it's attainable. You can actually hit the 85th percentile on player after player after player in your lineups. We also have the value finder so you can just look oh, I just want points per dollar. Just give me points per dollar. I want to see some of the best plays, whether I'm jamming them into, I want to know who I need to lock in for the cash game optimizer. You can do that with the value finder. And then we also have the underdog pick'em section where we're going to let you know which lines we like the most to take those overs and unders on underdog pick'em. And those lines move fast. I can tell you right now, we are so good at this that I posted on Twitter Either yesterday, it was either yesterday or two days ago, all my favorite plays for the Sunday slate, and already those lines are moving, so you have to get in on this action. I remember when DJ Moore yesterday had his over-under at five and a half receptions. We can beat these. You think he's going to get six receptions? That's a hundred catch pace with Sam Darnold. When DJ Moore had under 70 catches last year, probably not going to happen. We will help you find these lines. You're going to have to get in quick. And the underdog pick'em section is the place to do that. 
And that is our brand new DFS module that we kind of just sprung on the public this year. So that's kind of what the last few months of my summer has been is hard at work making sure we can have the most profitable summer possible at Roto Underworld and playerprofiler.com. I'm young enough to remember last year, second place in the Millie Maker, week one took a zero at tight end. 